Okay, turn on the stream here. Got it, okay. Hello, welcome to Cannabis Marketing Live. This is Jake Litke, CEO of MediaGel. I will be your host. And today we have Elizabeth Udell, who is a social media and content consultant. Um, Elizabeth, maybe you can tell us what all of those words mean. <laughs> um, hey everyone. Um, first, um, I'll start with the one consultant because I've been doing things on my own now for almost a year. Um, my last role was head of social at Cookies Retail. Um, and at first I was like freelance, freelance, but my friends who have been doing it for so long, they're like, don't say freelance, say consultant. So consultant <laughs> means that um, I do everything in the social media and content marketing realm um, from as hands-off as strategy to full-on management. Um, but I've just realized that so many people need social media and content help more than ever, that being in-house at a role wasn't the move. And I'm probably like really great to think about that because six months later, all these layoffs started happening in all industries. Um, but I had a head start. So yeah, that's social media and content consultant. Great. Um, thank you for that background. And so you definitely have some domain experience coming out of cookies, which um, you'll hear me talk a lot about branding because it's something I care about. And I frequently yeah. say that we haven't, we certainly haven't reached the place where we have national brands in cannabis yet. Although mm -hmm. one might argue that cookies is the closest mm -hmm. uh, in terms of a brand that you could go on the street in LA, San Francisco, New York, and ask someone to name a brand and they might all get that one. We're mm -hmm. starting to get there. So, um, you know, today's topic is going to be about Twitter, right? So Twitter has recently, as most people know, at this point started allowing cannabis advertising, um, yeah. as with any advertising platform that that embraces cannabis um there's a bit of a learning curve uh both on the parts of advertisers and um and the network itself in this case twitter um however that said twitter has been a place where people have been able to talk about cannabis to some extent like mm -hmm. all social networks if you are staying within specific boundaries maybe we could start with talking about where most of the social networks uh, how are and Twitter recently was um, how you were working both at Cookies and with your current clients to to do social media strategy inside the confines of the limitations that you have. Yeah, it was. I mean, I come I come from music, so while I was in while I was out here in LA for the last nine years and doing um doing all the music marketing, I was still a medical cannabis patient and I would want like I, I wanted to do marketing cannabis, but it wasn't really like it wasn't a thing, you know. I really would go to all these dispensaries and be like, I'll do your Instagram for a hundred bucks a week. And I was like, no, like we don't need it. The money will be gone tomorrow. Like it was just very interesting. Um, so kind of realizing at the beginning that I was slowly moving into a more compliant marketing industry that when we flipped in 2018 and I joined MedMen as their head of social, everything was still like kind of chill. 
You know, I was running Facebook and Instagram ads from March, 2018 to August, 2018. Um, I learned really quickly. Um, like for instance, my second post ever was a lol box. And I remember I put the, like the med men location in the Instagram location and they immediately removed it. And that was the, April, 2018. So I was like learning really quickly what their new compliance was because they didn't really get it either. Right. Like, let's be real. California 2018, you had all these advertisers out here, everyone in entertainment, like we just took marketing by storm. We had campaigns, we had packaging and Instagram didn't understand yet <laughs> before it was, you know, really like all trap and big butts and boobs and they were policing that, but all of a sudden you were seeing these beautiful beauty industry-esque packaging and you can get away with it. Um, so we were doing that for a bit. And from the start, I was learning with the apps. Um, since really, like I just said, we were defining it, um, I kind of got to understand the compliance right away. Like I put now, it got dinged, I'm done. I put a price, ding, you're done. But I had to learn the hard way. So now five years later, um, I have a really great grasp on Instagram. So for, you know, talking about Instagram first, um, and I thought I knew everything until I went to cookies <laughs> um, because they would just delete accounts without warning, no content takedown. Um, and it makes sense, right? Like the C-Byte logo, Anyone all over the world make an account, put the C-Byte logo, start trapping, account's dead. So it really, it's it so much as like a targeted count, a targeted attack on the back end um, because software wise, it just, it knows. <laughs> it sees the cookies logo, it sees the cookies name. So you're just, you know, dealing with um, really advanced software at this point. Um, if you're a new account on Instagram and you post cannabis imagery, you're shadow banned. Like there's no way around it. You use the captions, like <laughs> there's billions of pictures of the same nug, in, like Instagram knows. Um, so the compliance with Instagram is stay, um, stay active with the account. I would say, you know, at least once a week, just because, um, your followers need to know, um, that you are a living, breathing, working account, um, a brand, sorry. Um, you're on shelves, you're being sold. Um, and also it's so like, there's so many fake accounts, right? Like when you finally think you got the official page, you see no one's posted on it in three years. Like that's obviously not the official page. Um, so yeah, like with compliance, you know, just keep active, um, stick to reels because they're the safest bet. Um, and just be smart by like, I think by now, I think we know, you know, no prices, no available now. Um, but that in TikTok, I would just say, you know, are the most policed. And then when we go into like Twitter, um, being more chill, but yeah, like, Navigating the compliance on Instagram is definitely the hardest and, you know, TikTok, full of your story, but don't even, don't even try until you've done your research. 
Yeah. Okay. So that's kind of the world that you've, that we've come from and that you've been living in. And then now we've entered sort of a new arena with Twitter being the, the largest social network to have a positive official stance on cannabis. Right. Yeah. So let's talk about um, what their policies are, what you can and can't do today from a, and let's do it in a couple different parts. Let's talk about organic um, activity that you can be doing either brand direct, or if you're helping someone do that, and then we can get into what their policies are around advertising later. Yeah. So for organic, um, it's, it's pretty much any, like, I, I can't say anything goes because I have seen people say my Twitter got account. And I'm like, what did you possibly do? Because I mean, I'm sorry, but there's like there's blatant porn on Twitter. Like they allow a lot of things. So I would just really, I have never had a problem with my accounts really, you know, from the retail side, tweeting um, the deals out, putting the prices, like all of that has been totally okay. Um, so organic, anything goes, just be smart about it. But yeah, you can do the prices, you can do the sales language, you can do images of people smoking, you can do like anything that you ever really ever wanted to say about cannabis, you could do it on Twitter. Um, so organically, you're super chill with like that aspect. Now, um, yeah, I have a question on that, though, because I've seen this in the past where once an organization takes a formal stance on something, Usually that comes with rules that are actually now written down. Whereas before you could kind of be like, well, there's not really a rule against it. So you can kind of do whatever you want. But when you have regulation, which I think when many people talk about deregulation or federal regulation for the industry as a whole, there's some hidden dangers there. Yeah. Um, but let's say that now Twitter has, now they have rules, right? They didn't have rules before. Now they have them. Have you found that someone is now paying attention and saying that, okay, yeah, we used to not care about that because it wasn't technically against the rules. But now that we have some, this particular thing is against the rules. Not on the organic side. I've only seen rules on the advertising side because even then, you know, Instagram's rules are still like you cannot promote the sale of um, illegal drugs. Mm. Um, and when you try and get really like into it, there aren't that many bullet points. Um, so with organic, I've never found anything with Twitter, but there are rules with advertising. There are definitely hard rules. Um, it's mostly like they are, you know, they're starting soft. Um, no direct cannabis imagery is allowed in ads. No products are allowed in ads. You know, it's kind of like educational overarching campaign theme. Um, I work with Amuse. Um, they're the first delivery platform um, in California to get accepted for ads. So our ads are very vague, um, but I think retailers and um, nonprofits, pretty much whoever isn't directly touching the plant in terms of manufacturing it, um, is doing okay for this first wave. Um, I know at the beginning, like I said, they're just starting off soft, um, but brands, brands are going to have a tough time, right? Um, I mean, I'll get into it a bit later on how like ads don't always work, right? Like just because we can do it doesn't mean it works. So if Stizzy gets approved, but all Stizzy can do is post a graphic with their name on it, that's not an engaging ad. 
just because you can doesn't mean, you know, it's going to work. So brands are going to have a hard time making ads to fit this platform's needs if you can't show product at the moment. So, you know, that's that's the next hurdle. Yeah. So we can dive into that a little bit. I mean, in the in the categorization of social networks and channels, Twitter is traditionally largely been an awareness type of platform, right? Mm -hmm. Rather than a direct response type of network, um, meaning that it's it's good for getting people to know who you are. It's not necessarily always been great for getting people to take actions, like mm -hmm. buying something, right? Um, so if you take someone like Stizzy, um, who you mentioned, who has great brand awareness, at least here in California, where I am, like it's it's a pretty well-known brand. Um, is is I mean, brand awareness is always always important. Like Coca-Cola still does brand awareness, even though everyone knows what it is, right? So it's definitely important. But given the difficulty of operating inside of the cannabis industry and really needing to make your marketing dollars count for someone who has a relatively established brand, is Twitter a good place for them? And let's talk about paid media specifically, right? So you're going to invest dollars in advertising. We're not talking about organic. Um, mm -hmm. You could run ads. Um, now you can run some some relatively simple ads on Twitter, right? Um, you could do programmatic display. You could do network stuff. You could do, go inside of Weed Maps or Jane or any of these other places where you can buy, you know, digital merchandising. Yeah. Um, let's take someone who is a large brand like that. And, and I know that you work for some of them. How do you think about that channel, Twitter, and how you would use it effectively um, for paid? Um, yeah, I mean, we're basically like, right, we're doing it with um, Amuse. Um, for instance, we run Google ads. Like we we are able to do um, these kind of advertisements um, since we don't physically manufacture the plant. Um, and of course, it's a lot of hacking and landing pages and directs. Um, but with what we're doing, just anywhere and everywhere, right? If you have the money and the bandwidth, we're so siloed and it's so hard to break through in general and digital. So yeah, <laughs> Stizzy, try it. Everyone, if you can, and I really do emphasize you got the bandwidth and the money because you can't just, you know, put it on like, put on autopilot. You actually have to make these ads work. Um, and that is really, 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 really difficult in this day and age because you have to be more creative than ever. Um, content wins at the end. Like just because you made an ad doesn't mean it's going to get fed to anyone. It still has to be engaging. So that's, you know, when um, if Stizzy wants to just do some of the unengaging, here's our logo, put some copy up there, you know where to find us. Sure. But it's also really in your best um it's in your best interest to make some ads um, that are worthwhile and that could push the needle if you're already going to be on this platform. And do you have, have you run um, campaigns or worked with anyone who's been running uh, paid advertising on Twitter yet? Yeah, Muse. Um, I haven't, um, so I touched their organic um, and that's the thing, you know, um, Amuse is a growing account um, and it's, it's still Twitter. Like I, it's so tough because when I started with MedMen, um, like you, it was just, it was a real, like we were on the way up. So our Twitter really blew up because we were constantly in the news. So I had a really easy at the beginning. I had a really good account, Twitter, everyone was really into it. 
now and with cookies, um, I created all of our stores, Twitter accounts and got them going um, because like push the daily deals, you know, get that person personality going. And our stores really liked Twitter, but it's just so hard to push through. Um, so Amuse is a growing account. And while we have ads, um, it doesn't like it doesn't equate to major growth. Um, it's still, you know, we have engaging ads, but it's it's still Twitter advertisements. We're working with a really unstable platform right now. Um, I probably should emphasize to everyone, like, don't expect this to work. <laughs> there, this is like a last ditch effort. Um, but it's always worth trying. Um, but yeah, like it is what it is. It's not fully helping the entire accounts, you know, 360 digital efforts. Um, so it's been, it's been really interesting um, to work with them and see how the ads are impacting my organic work. Um, but yeah, I mean, even cannabis delivery isn't enough for Twitter users to get excited, but that's, you know, kind of what we're dealing with. We'd probably have, I mean, and I can't even say we'd have more luck with Instagram because I see cannabis ads on Instagram. You know, I see those, um, I see those games, like those cannabis farm phone games. I get those ads. Um, I get ketamine ads. I get mushroom ads. Um, and I get a lot of hemp ads. So who's to know if they're working, but you know, if Instagram was to introduce this, I say we'd all have to give it a shot too. So let's talk about the other things that you can do on Twitter. Obviously now you can run ads. Um, actually let's, one more thing about the paid portion is you there's different targeting goals that you can have when you set up a Twitter campaign. If you, if yeah. you haven't run a campaign, you can try to get more followers. You can try to get clicks to your website. You can try to get clicks to your product page, whatever it is. Um, what of those tools have you, have you tried working with to date? Um, you mentioned you hadn't gotten a lot of growth, but were you running campaigns to get followers? Did you get followers? How did that? At the moment, the, um, the ads are running to the site um, for signups. Um, we'll definitely do the follower one soon. Um, it has been, let's say, I think it's been like almost two months now be able to do this. But I think right now the priority is the site for revenue. Um, I've always found awareness campaigns to do better, um, like on Instagram, Um and TikTok. Um, I run a lot of boosting ads um, campaigns on TikTok that are just incredible. But <laughs> literally with TikTok that no other app does is you get what you pay for. You know, like if you're putting $200 and TikTok says you're getting 35,000 followers, when you're done at 35, like you're done. <laughs> Whereas, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, there's like a little, you know, minimum and a max, but TikTok, TikTok's a very, um, very uh precise um but yeah i mean i would love to do an awareness campaign to help build the organic and the organic content is really just the daily deals you know we want to while while sms and email are really like your best friends right now for retail i really would love to build up twitter um to be that but it takes a little bit all right. So now I'll go back to what I was going to ask before the sidebar there. So with Twitter, there's a bunch of different things you can do, right? So you have 
Twitter spaces, you've got, you know, you can be doing video, you can be doing static stuff. Um, there's obviously just interacting with people directly. What do you find to be the most effective um, tools that exist within the Twitter universe um, for, you know, achieving your marketing goals? So Twitter, you know, got on board with everyone else and loved, you know, short form vertical video. So again, kind of like with the ads, like if you can do it, do it. If you have a TikTok and a reel, put it on Twitter. Why not? Maybe it didn't go viral anywhere else, but it'll go viral on Twitter um, because they were so obviously accepting of this kind of content. It kind of just you know, made it easy to cross remote everywhere. Um, so I'm really loving the short form video. Um, you know, it's just so hard because at the end of the day, like Twitter is funny. If you're funny and you have good copy and you could do one-liners, like I would really take advantage of that. Um, you really have to break through the noise. Um, so I, I'm still a fan of just a good old text post. Um, and yeah, I mean, spaces are, spaces are interesting. Um, from a brand perspective, you have to get someone to host the spaces and do it and be interactive. Um, so yeah, spaces doesn't hurt. Um, you just have to find, you know, like that's a whole part of the strategy and you get a person on the team who's willing. It might not always be your social media manager. Um, but it's great to always have a presence. Um, and at the end of the day, right, Twitter is a talking app. And if you can get a personality for your brand and really just, you know, try and take off through there, um, that's the best way. But again, it's so hard. Like Twitter, Twitter is the hardest app to grow on for sure. And then you mentioned something just a minute ago about uh, just a plain good old text post. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about that and and a broader subject, which is in a in a crowded, rapidly scrolling environment. What are visual motifs or strategies that you use to stand out and get people's attention? Um, so if it's a text post, meaning you know, like you're just like you're just typing something, um, it's humor, right? It's humor, or it's a really really great hot take. Um, but you got to get through the noise. Um, if Things are happening live, right? Live tweeting. It's always great to get yourself in there. Um, that's like a really good way um, to get that personality to shine. Um, you've seen it for years that brands have developed personalities on Twitter because they have to. Um, Instagram, LinkedIn, everyone is going in this first person because you have to trick the app, right? The app is um, all these social media apps kind of want, like, they don't want you to do free advertising. They really technically do not like brands and corporations on here. Um, so making it think that it's just another person behind there has really been the move. Um, so really just getting a personality going, um, that's the best way that you can try and get through the noise. And again, humor, if it's, if it's a cannabis brand, you know, just, start being funny. Like, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's so much easier when, and it's with, and this is with all applications. Um, you have to use it to be able to market on it. Um, that's what I do with TikTok, especially. Um, and with Twitter, I'm a user and I love, and I see obviously what goes viral. So it'll be so much easier for you and you'll understand and trends and everything like that 
if you're a user first and you get to know the app goes one like does wonders and so um what about the analytics that you're getting and we'll start with twitter because that's kind of the topic and we can you know branch out to other things but just in terms of again with twitter because you have so many different angles you can play in terms of trying to engage with people you have plain text you have images you have videos when you're developing a strategy do you look at okay i know that videos get this type of interaction and images get a different type of interaction and you said you could look like the good old plain text posts do you come up with a cadence of okay i'm going to do text posts like three times a week and i want to do one video every two weeks because they see different types of interactivity and what and how do each of those types of content differ in interactivity when you're looking at the analytics? Yeah, it's um so adding content helps with engagement. Um, having links could hurt you um, because you're getting out of the app. So definitely you always want to look, um, you know, no one should ever post something on any platform and, you know, peace out like. I always check back in. How is this real doing? Um, because you need to know and you need to learn for the next one because you need to get your audience interacting with the kind of content you want them to interact with. Um, if you are a research facility and you're posting carousel graphics every day, you need to make sure that your audience is regularly engaging because that's just gonna help you in the long run. Every time you post an infographic carousel, boom, it's going to get fed to your audience. They love it. So when you are looking at what works for you, for your account, it's, it's, it's account by account. Okay. Reels can do well on this person's account, but fail on yours. You have to find which one, which type of content works best for you. Um, and then you use your marketing skills and your best judgment um, moving forward, right? If you have a launch, are you going to launch with a video or an ass or a photo asset? I don't know. Do all your videos do great? Then yeah, you should probably do it with a video. So you have to take these kind of content learnings and that's just going to help you in the future. Um, you know, I do Prince Street Pizza. We just launched and we just announced this week that we're doing Coachella. Um, I, I did a soft launch with a throwback photo but I did a hard launch with a really funny video. And that's like, you know, high performing. I know what our audience likes. Um, if I launched with anything else, Instagram wouldn't have pushed it because it's so out of pocket, right? If they always like comedy videos and I just post a photographic, Instagram knows that no one who's ever followed me really likes my photos but they know that my followers like my videos. So they're gonna push my video to the followers. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah, and I know you mentioned something a second ago, which is you know posting a link inside of a Twitter post is a, is a down vote, so to speak, by mm -hmm. the system. Um, you know, Twitter did uh, release their algorithm last week. Um, and there were some pretty interesting facts in there. I did notice that as well. Like if you put a link in your post, you're pretty much going to get buried because yeah. Twitter doesn't want you to leave Twitter, which logically makes sense if you think it through. Yeah. Um, what are some of the other insights if you've been able to dig into the, the algorithm or at least the analysis of it? Um, I think that, 
again, it's always just going to be user-based. Like if you have a comedian, right? Like all his text jokes are probably going to do well. So always, I just, you know, if you find something that works for you, kind of, you know, like stay in your lane, but yeah, it's little things. And LinkedIn's the same, um, with links, um, put that link in your comment and, or when you're drafting a tweet, you get the ability to make a series. So I, when I was working for Plex, especially we would do the content tweet. And this is a trick I learned from Netflix. So you would just do the content tweet and then underneath link it out. Um, when you say underneath, you mean like in the next, under, mm-hmm. in the next tweet. Yeah. And when you're making a tweet, you'll see a little, um, a plus sign. That means you can also make out the next one and the next and the next. You can even do a series. Um, But I just learned that these tricks, it's like, it's more, it's an awareness play over a call to action. Like Netflix would drop a new show and they would just, you know, tweet photos about it, tweet its own text, tweet GIFs, and there would be no links. And I was confused at first, but then I just realized it's because they're working with the app. If they linked out, you're, you know, just to your point, you're out of Twitter. It doesn't want to do that. So, um, you know, just kind of understanding um, what you want your CTA to be and how important it is um, because you're working with the app. And, you know, that's kind of always been my thing with compliance too, like, screw state cannabis compliance. I'm looking at Instagram compliance first. (laughs) Like, I don't care that California says, you know, you can't see, you can't say, you know, so-and-so I can't say it on Instagram. Like we're good. Like I'm always going to see like, what's your compliance first. And then I'll tackle it years later because the social platforms are way more strict. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. So let's see here. We know that uh, linking out is bad. Uh, I'm trying to remember the exact details. I feel like there was some pretty heavy um, effects on being mentioned versus people replying versus retweeting. Like retweeting is not as powerful. Do you remember which kind of in order? Yeah. So, so when you go from replying to a tweet with the tweet preview compared to replying, like I'm seeing that like I'm seeing more viral tweets that are like, you know, like diss comedy, right? Like at the end, like it's humor, right? Humor. So like, I'll see, you know, like politicians like dissing each other and they'll like preview that tweet and that'll do great for them. But then I also see when people, you know, you'll get fed and it's really tough because this platform is so broken right now, but you'll get fed like the reply from someone I follow that like it, structurally formatting wise, it's very weird. I think your best bet right now is to have the reply with the preview. If you want to make it your own statement, but you do also have the chance of, you know, going viral without the preview. So it's like, it's so hard because it really is just so account-based, but like if if you really want it, it can hurt you if you just do quote tweet with the preview there. Um, but if you want to make your own statement with it, it is best practice. But like formatting wise, like like it's just it's so hard. It does it looks like replying is uglier. But and just 
hurt you. Maybe not everyone is using Twitter as much as you are. So yeah. maybe you could go up one level and explain the difference between the quote tweet or reply. And it, uh, it, that's, and that's a thing. It's a design. It's really just a formatting. So basically when you get a tweet, you know, you're scrolling, you get the opportunity to reply to that tweet and mm -hmm. how it shows up is no one, you don't see the tweet before on your feed. You'll just see the reply. Um, and then, you know, move along your day. Um, if you want to retweet or quote tweet, sorry, if you want to quote tweet, it'll show up as your thoughts and underneath will be a preview, a, a preview or a full of that tweet that you are replying to. So now your followers get the full context and it just, you know, it looks better. <laughs> Um, but Twitter, you know, you also have in your own personal profile, you have your tweets and then you have your replies. So your followers have to go to a whole other section of your Twitter to just see that formatting. So, yeah, I mean, it's just at the end of the day, it comes down to a judgment call on how you want to respond to a tweet. Um, if you want your tweet amplified, I would recommend you have that preview because that's context, right? Um, but if you're just replying, um, I don't, I don't feel like it's just like so much harder, but in terms of like Twitter favoring it, I don't know. I think it's like a toss up unlike the obvious like link, like that one, I think, you know, across the board, everyone can kind of be hindered by that. But with replying in quotes, I don't know. I don't know. All right. Well, maybe we can dig into some analytics at some point and uh, yeah. see if you can see a difference with uh, the activity feed. Yeah. And thankfully, I mean, they only like with your your analytics with Twitter are also um, like they go by impressions, right, over everyone else's reach. But they've always been impressions primarily. So um now that they make it public, it like throws me off because it's like 1.6 million people have seen this tweet. 3,000 have liked, like, it's just, um, it's, it's kind of a mess. Still, it's still a mess. <laughs> so I know that um, we frequently, when I meet with uh, operators in the cannabis space, they, many people still just don't venture into social media at all or don't want to, or don't even know that they can don't know what they can do. We run into that. You know, we do a lot of display advertising for cannabis brands and retailers. We've been doing it for five years. We still run into people. They're like, oh, I don't, I can't run ads. And well, you can. Um, I mean, with display, it's a little easier because we have explicit approval from publishers to do it. As you mentioned, you can run search ads. We help people do that as well, but it is its own set of hoops you have to go through. Yeah. Um, and the same with social. Um, but I feel like a lot of people just kind of see the whole thing as a mess and just walk away from it, right? There's like, I can't get the mental, you know, pain to go through and figure out what to do and what not to do. Um, do you have, are there good resources online for to understand what you can and can't do? Or is it pretty much like someone's got to call someone like, call, like yourself and get some help? 
Um, so I think what's tough is there are so many articles on like the blanket do's and don'ts, which is like, you know, some journalists took Instagrams and like, you know, really just copied and pasted. Um, what I, I am an asset because I've done it already. So I have, you know, like I'm a tester through and through. I always have tested content. Um, I have anecdotes for days. Um, and that is harder to find. I really like to share this wisdom as much as I can on LinkedIn. I think all we are are stories. Like for instance, on Instagram, um, I'm seeing a, a step of a step above for shadow ban is cannabis accounts are getting their um, collaborator feature um, removed. So um, I can't collab with um, accounts that are shadow banned. Um, you look this up online literally why is my collaborator button it's like oh you haven't updated yet or you know it's just a little glitch but no it actually is a tool that was taken away because your account is in bad standing so all we can do is share these stories with each other and hopefully you know try and help um because there's like you know resources where they do dive into the tncs um but it's a lot more annoying than that, unfortunately. And it really is, you know, case by case. Um, for instance, I was at Farmer and the Felon, um, incredible brand, works with Last Prisoner Project, never had one post taken down, okay? No one ever reported that account because like, come on, it's equity, like leave us alone. Um, but I post the same kind of content on cookies and like, you're done. So for them, it's like all accounts, it's case by case, unfortunately. Um, so all you can do is just, you know, stay in your guidelines and try and keep the lights on. Um, that's like, you know, what I always say for people who are like kind of worried about social um, and definitely could stick with Instagram and Twitter right now. Um, everyone should have an Instagram presence if you're in stores. Like people, people need to know about the brand that they want to buy. Cannabis is like too, I don't know everything about it to the customer. So, you know, they want to know that you're an established brand. They want to know that you're legit because all they have is just you in a dispensary. So, you know, I definitely recommend Instagram and then Twitter, just for what we're saying, like, just try and build that presence because yeah. you can't. Um, well, we've got a question here from someone watching. And so, and if you do have questions, everyone who is online, feel free. There's a Q and A. Um, you can you can type in your questions and we'll answer them unless okay. they're you know, wildly inappropriate. And then maybe we won't. Um, but this is from, uh, let's see, Young Soon Han. Any advice for dispensaries entering into the Twittersphere for the first time? So complete newbie, someone who's not there at all. I already have Instagram and Facebook. Concern is that Twitter introduces another channel that demands instant replies to customers. Uh, mm -hmm. They've got 5,000 followers, but a very small team. So I think that's a good point. And you mentioned this earlier. Um, if you're going to make a post and put something out there and people start talking about it and you don't respond in a timely manner, have you done more harm than good? Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, don't set it and forget it. Um, you, if you posted something that day, 
keep checking in, especially if you have an active audience, right? Like if you're just starting and, you know, it's been a month and no one's responding to your tweets, like that's fine. Like we're not expecting the world here, but if you are realizing you have an active following, then yeah, you have to pay extra attention to it. Um, if you're constantly getting, um, mentioned and you want to retweet and engage, then yeah, Twitter needs to be top of mind, um, for advice for dispensaries entering. Um, so I have found, I find the, that dispensaries, would benefit the most on Twitter, like I said, just because of like the deals, right? Like you actually have something to say every single day. You have important messages to your followers that they would really like. Um, if your brand is D to C, then sure, like direct to consumer, yeah, like push that. Um, but if you're just a brand, um, you have to remember now you have an extra step of getting someone off the phone looking maybe if your brand is in their dispensary, getting off the couch, getting to there. So it's a lot more steps that brands have to take on Twitter to get a sale. Dispensaries, they have a lot, it's easier, right? I could be like, yo, wild is BOGO today, go. Boom, they have nowhere, nowhere else to go. If you're a delivery like a muse, even easier. BOGO, wild, never even left the couch. So um, I really encourage dispensaries and delivery services um, to get into Twitter. And again, if you're finding your audience is active, then, you know, push it in. Um, if you're, if no other, like if Twitter becomes your most active um, account, then amazing. Then, you know, you have a small team, but you could focus all your efforts on Twitter. So yeah, you know, you'll, the bandwidth will, I think that allocation will come. Have you seen... Um doing a strategy around like especially for a dispensary where you have people coming in and you can even theoretically you know have your bud tenders push the social side and say things or even have a sign that says like daily deals on twitter only mm -hmm. or something like that mm -hmm. so that people are incentivized to follow you and then you can use that as a channel um to push out promotions Is yeah. that well oh yeah um also you know in um you make little flyers you put them in the bags like pretty much anything and everywhere. Um, you know, men, men, we have the red bag. We put our handles on everything. Um, I would do a tag your bag promotion um, without anyone even realizing it. Every time they tagged us, I would just DM them like 10% off next time you come in. So um, there's just, there's so many ways to push it in person. Um, if you have an SMS, make an SMS text, push it to Twitter. If you're on Instagram, make a story. Um, I would love everyone excuse me, I would love everyone to end up on Twitter, but the reality situation is it's a very, very, very slow burn. Um, but I would love everyone to end up there because we can. Like, yeah, that's <laughs> All right. We've got a couple other questions here. Uh, I think you're going to like this one. I think I know how you're going to answer it too. Do you think brands having LinkedIn <laughs> presence is important, necessary? Yeah. Hey, Danny. <laughs> um, Okay. So I was really pushing LinkedIn for a while, but now it's getting oversaturated and the app is not being friendly to company accounts as they were for the moment. Um, yes, every brand, um, every brand needs to have a LinkedIn page at least, right? Because employees need to say that they work there. So first, foremost, everyone needs a page. Um, I'm finding on the, um, 
on the Amuse side, like I do brand spotlights and I'm going to make posts on LinkedIn about brands. And if they don't have a page, and this is the same problem with Twitter, like if you don't have a Twitter, I can't tag you. So everyone just needs to have an account just to call it a day. Um, but LinkedIn, the strategy really has become um, all about the organization because now more than ever, everyone is on LinkedIn trying to find a job. And what they're looking for is company culture, um, trade shows that you do, um, announcements that you make. So always being company first is really going to help um, because then you also have people in your industry who are interested in your company's success um, without, you know, like that whole jealousy aspect, right? Like you want it to be just a really like welcome page where someone's like, wow, I want to work there. So brands can do super well humanizing their company. Um, and then there's always, you know, the research, education, like news thought leader play. Um, it has to be formatted correctly. Um, but yeah, like brands will definitely benefit. It's definitely important. Um, but how your brand wants to come off um, is going to vary case by case. But I really, um, I have two um, clients in like solar and 3D printing and I just do theirs and they're really thought leadership focused and stuff. So um, I think it's really great for them um, and humanizing where they work. That's how brands could really do well. Thank you. Um, you mentioned something about thought leadership pieces and having them formatted correctly, which mm -hmm. leads me to believe you have a, an opinion on what that means, formatted correctly. Maybe you could share that. Yeah. So again, it's the link, right? So maybe, you know, your CEO has something to say about this New York Times article, but like you want it to do well. So maybe don't link the New York Times article in the post. Maybe take a picture of the headline and put it in and then in the comments, link it out. Um, anything that's just going to help your post be seen like that's, you know, and LinkedIn, even though it has link in the name, does not like links um, unless your account is links only and your followers are trained. Right. So it's just uh, it's just finding what works for you and the platform. It's really frustrating. That, I mean, that's super helpful. I was not I was not aware of some of those those little things that are happening in terms of. Um being uh penalized for yeah you know, linking out to other things it may makes total sense now that you say it but i had not it really occurred to me before yeah my biggest linkedin posts are literally just me waking up going on a tirade of just text and then sending it out and like that's it and then if i post you know a link it ha like it has to be it ha it has to like the text has to be so engaging enough that it's not about the link right it's and that's again like using the platform, seeing what gets fed, like pay attention next time to what gets on your feed and you'll see for link posts. Like if you get fed a link post with over 50 likes, that's a success and see why. Think about, you know, do they always post links or was this one like, I can't say formatted again, but like structured and said the way that LinkedIn pushed it. But yeah, just be on the lookout. Yeah, see, we operate 
mostly in the paid media market, right? Yeah. So we're doing, and it's just at that point, it's auction based. It's like, you just have to pay. Like, mm -hmm. okay, if you want to be at the top of the page on that site, you pay, you know, $10 instead of $5 or whatever it is. Um, and, and it's obviously there's other things that happen behind the scenes, even in programmatic advertising, the system, yeah. there's lots of different things happening behind the scenes, but usually you can, you can just buy your way into where you want to be. Um, uh, and you get to be direct and, and the same thing with advertising with on the cannabis side, you know, with, when we're working with digital publishers that, that we've been working with for a long time, we're allowed to serve cannabis ads, right? So Sometimes a lot of advertisers come in and they they're used to operating in social. So they're trying to come up with these sort of vague creatives so that they, and then we actually have to retrain them to say, okay, this is the opposite because yeah. in display advertising, you're, you're trying to talk to someone who wasn't necessarily even looking for what you're talking about. Right. So you need to be very direct for two reasons. One is, so they understand what it is you're selling um, so that if they do click on your ad and they go to your site, they're not confused. Right. Like if you if you're not talking about cannabis in your ad and you take someone to your cannabis website, they're like, wait, that's not I didn't understand what was happening. Right. Yeah. Total so, opposite. Total opposite. Yeah. Yeah. No, um, it makes sense. And the only way to know it is to do it. <laughs> yeah. We've got a couple other questions. Uh, Rebecca asks about YouTube. Is it worth trying? Um, OK, so YouTube and TikTok are just, you know, do you have the bandwidth and the team? You know, like you're now producing full-blown long-form video content on YouTube. If, you, if you're if you barely, you know, finding content for your other accounts, um, you have to just like understand like this is a commitment. YouTube can be very beneficial. Um, they are strict, but I don't know. Like I see strain review, like I see a lot of smoking on YouTube. So it just, you know, it depends. Um, that's the, um, that's the t uh, terms and conditions you're gonna have to navigate. Um, but yeah, everything is worth trying if you can go all in. Um, YouTube and TikTok require a lot more creativity and manpower than Instagram and Twitter do. Um, because you're now dealing with like strictly video content. But yeah, yeah. Video, video content is exponentially more work than like image content or text content. And I think that because um, I've done some video production, we used to do I mean, we this is simple here, but we used to have a full studio in our office, yeah. right? three camera setup, lights, production exactly. crew, switcher, all yeah. those things. Um, and yes, it takes time to get the lighting set up and all that correct. It takes time to shoot the video. It takes even more time to edit that video into a format that people are going to be able to digest. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it is a big commitment. And um, one of the things that could be uh, a double-edged sword is maybe you spend a bunch of time and you produce one thing that's good, right? Mm -hmm. Well, now that success is people expect more of that, right? Mm -hmm. And you need to be able to be willing to keep doing it over time. Mm -hmm. uh, so that is a, that is definitely something, to, something to think about with YouTube. Tools are getting better. Things are getting easier with some of the modern video editing tools, but it's still the technical aspect of producing the content is one piece that is hard. The creativity and having a story that humans interact with um, is hard to do once, is very hard to do on a consistent basis. Yeah. Right. Incredibly hard. And I just say TikTok because they're so, um, they're so strict that you really like, you know, 
look at the raw team, right? Like they are very, very creative and you need a lot of people working on these accounts. Um, because yeah, I mean, even though it's short form for TikTok, it's still video and it's very difficult. So yeah, great points. Yeah. Um, we've got another question from Alexia, uh, CBD brand. Uh, they've been attempting to create ads in Twitter only to receive a message saying our account is disapproved, not able to participate in the Twitter ads program as it violates our drugs and drug parent paraphernalia policy. Okay. So um, Elizabeth has run some campaigns. We've run some campaigns. We've been working directly with Twitter. It's very early days. I mean, they've been doing it for a limited amount of time. Um there's still there's as I mentioned the very beginning. Anytime you enter a new regulated market, there's a pretty steep learning curve. Mm-hmm. Um, and Twitter announcing that they were taking cannabis ads, you know, a lot of people got excited about that. So um, I think that they may be a little overwhelmed with the response they've been getting, and um, and it's likely that um, and as as is well known publicly, they don't have as many people working there as they used to. Gonna say that um, I'm like no one works there. <laughs> creates another issue in terms of scaling things. Um, Alexia, if you want to reach out to me directly, um, I can have a conversation with you or Elizabeth. I don't. I I don't know if you're running. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Just shoot me an email. My email is Jake at mediagel.com. Uh, we can see if we can help you get in contact with the right people. Yeah, it's um, it's the reality situation. They went from like seven thousand to two thousand employees. Um, but also, um, so since we've been chatting about this, I did say that brands and accounts that manufacture the plant are going to have a harder time with Twitter because yeah, like they are basically saying no product can be shown. Um, it could be the website you're also leading to, but that's so annoying. Cause like CVD has like always been chill in terms of ads for the last few years. So it might have just been an ad you made that just they didn't like, you know, and they're still like paying the price, unfortunately. Well, it's- even up until prior to the recent change that Twitter made, they were accepting ads from non-ingestible CBD products mm-hmm. right, prior to the change. Now they're accepting it from really any product. There's a whole process you have to go through, though. If you are a brand, there's an attestation form you to fill out. There's a W9 thing. There's a they're being they've created a, a pretty robust policy, I think, you know to protect themselves. Um, but if you're not coming into that machine, I think at the right angle right now, um, you may be just be hitting a brick wall. Yeah. Totally makes sense. Um, but it's been great. Um, you know, that said, like I said, there's struggles with any new rollout. Um, we have been working with the Twitter team and, and, you know, it's not a large team, but they are, um, they've been great to work with. We were talking to them, you know, right at the beginning and, and they, the, people that were working with at Twitter seem to be passionate about being able to run cannabis ads now. Like they, they, you know, as team members and employees, they, they personally like the, this new policy change. So um, it's not like you're running up against a situation where it's like a, um, you know, grumpy state legislator or something. They, they really are trying to, to make this work. It's just a, it's a bit of a lift. I, I really don't doubt that. Like <laughs> I know now, um, and I, I would also say, can our brands able to, cause I know the verification is getting kind of wonky and they removed, like they were, they're removing the blue checks and now the gold 
either way, like if brands are able to get verified and hopefully you do get access kind of like what Instagram is promising for people. So, you know, that's something also, um, I think brands like, I don't, I think brands are fine looking when they're verified. Um, I think people doing it are weird, <laughs> but like, if you can get that extra help, that verification promises, that's always something I look forward, look into too as well. Yeah. Well, the, uh, verification thing, I, I think the big, well, for me, like I need to have two factor authentication on my yeah. account, which was the thing for me. I was like, there's no way I can get around that. I've actually had numerous times people try to steal my Twitter account. Um, and so I just, I'm like, I don't, whatever I have to pay some money. I, I otherwise I'll just have to give up on it because um, yeah. it happens if you don't have your account secured. Yeah. Getting that extra. Um, but aren't they, I think now, I read they're they're doing an upheaval kind of thing, right? Like before, if you were verified without paying, now you have to pay. I think they were saying something like that. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I'm it changes sure every day. There's, <laughs> yeah, people have you know the New York Times put their foot down, right? They're like, we're not paying for the yeah. check mark. There it is. Yeah. Okay. So yes. Yeah, so they are removing the check, which is just so crazy. But hey, I mean, you got to make money. <laughs> yeah. These are I corporations. Mean, <laughs> Yeah, that's a trade-off. And it'll be interesting to see what will happen with um, Twitter. In some ways, it's making some some bold steps into the subscription versus ad-supported model. Yeah. Um, which, much longer conversation than we have time for in the next three minutes. Um, but one could argue that having a, a system that is paid for by subscribers um, and not by advertisers might make um, for a, a just a, a better environment, potentially. Mm -hmm. to have discussions in so yeah there's um I like for people who really do love this app I'm just I'm so sorry that this is happening to you <laughs> you're just going along for the ride while your app changes before your eyes yeah well, <laughs> it's not boring we'll say that no it's um, not <laughs> well Elizabeth thank you thank you so much for your time today um do you have a, a company name or uh, obviously I know you're on social. So let's talk about how people can get in touch with you. You've said a lot of things that I found interesting. Probably there will be people that want to follow up. So, um, yeah, my LinkedIn, um, Elizabeth Udell, um, that's the best way to contact me. And I have a link tree on there. So I have all my socials and, um, all my portfolios and stuff. So yeah, definitely there. Um, I, uh, I don't have a company name yet, but I'll think about it. All right. Yeah, Fair enough. Just... Well, um, again, appreciate your time. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. Um, I can be contacted. This is Jake Litke. I'm the CEO at MediaGel. This has been Cannabis Marketing Live and everyone have a great weekend. This is amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Bye everyone. <laughs>